You're listening to a sermon audio from Cypress Church. You can listen to more sermons on our website or by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. We hope you enjoy the sermon and invite you to attend one of our services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Hey, good morning. How are you this morning? Fantastic worship, wasn't it? A little bit longer time because it took me a while to get here. I got a little worried. I got long-winded over it. Uh, you guys knew where I was, right? I was over at the Los Al branch, preached here first service. I was over at the Los Al branch, preached there, and now I'm back here. So made it just in time. It all worked. Woo! Uh, well, so welcome. My name is Mike, one of the pastors here, and glad to be here. Take your Bibles, if you will, and open up to the Bible book of First Peter. You can find First Peter. It's right before Second Peter. It uh, works out that way. If you don't have a Bible, our amazing ushers are walking down the aisle with a uh, stack of Bibles in their hand. If you want to borrow one, just wave at them and they will be more than happy to let you uh, give you that loaner. encourage you to um, use it and when you're done, just leave it there. I also encourage you to bring your Bible. It's a great book. You should read a lot of it. All of it. Um, also take out your, your worship folder. Inside there, there's a couple of things. One is a, a prayer request. I know you probably got told about this before, but if you didn't get a chance to fill a prayer request, we really, really, really value these. And you can also give us comments and things like that. We'd love to have you uh, share something to us that we could pray for you about. And uh, it's confidential. That means it just goes to the pastoral staff and the elders. There's some things about amazing Wednesdays in there, but also I want you to take out the outline that's inside there. There's some has some blanks in there. The answers will be up on the screen up here. But also <clears throat> want to encourage you to pick up one of our study guides. Uh, we make up these almost every week. And they're for uh, life groups. We have a lot of small groups that meet. And uh, they use these for their questions, but also it's a great time for personal study. And on the back of that is all the answers to the fill-in-the-blank, plus all the extra verses that I give. And this morning is no uh, exception. <laughs> I've given a lot of verses. I, I just, you know, the Bible's such a great book, and it, and it all intertwines, and I just want you to read that story and this story. Oh, take up this story, too. So sorry if I just overload you. Just go for it, and, and you'll have fun with it as we go along with that, and it'll be a great time. So how many of you have been uh, watching the Olympics. Yeah, it has been. How many of you have been staying up way too late watching the Olympics? Yeah, that was me last night. I had to see Michael Phelps do his last race, wasn't it? And wasn't that sweet? Just, it was great. I, I thought, I, the first day, the greatest lead in the, in the, as a 200 medley relay, and I was a swimmer. I actually went to the junior Olympics at one time, but uh, <laughs> I was not that good, please. Um, but I did butterfly uh, uh, like Michael Phelps, but it didn't look anything like him. <laughs> this short little fat guy. Woo. Um, anyways, it, it's, it's just that, you know, they had it in the backstroke and then the breaststroke had lost a little bit and Michael, man, came back and boom, got that lead and then the freestyle took it off and it was a beautiful thing. But, um, you know, it's, it's fun to watch that and especially if you're either from another country or have friends in another country, it's fun to look at the medal count. Matter of fact, one of our elders came to me uh, this last week and says, hey, Mike, you know, what about the medal count for Canada? Because I'm from Canada. And, um, and uh, that's not how he said it. I just took it that way. But, uh, you know, I mean, look at the medal count this year. I mean, the U.S. is just blowing doors on everybody. But just wait. Winter Olympics are coming and Canada shines. So just so you know that, we got the curling down. Come on. <clears throat> <laughs> But, you know, I love to watch the athletes and just see uh, poetry in motion as you see them fly and run and do things that you think, how can somebody do that? But what's also great is their stories. Haven't you enjoyed...
some of their stories. Uh, um, some have had difficult and what would seem almost debilitating past, and yet they've reigned victorious. Like uh, the gymnast Simone Biles, you've seen her and and, and heard her story, uh, abandoned by her, uh, to the foster care system by her father and her mother, who was so strung out on drugs and more into her own wants than to care for her child, and they got put in the foster system, her and her sister, and yet uh, Simone's uh, grandfather, a Christian man, said, you know, I just need to do this, and he took her and her sister in and, and adopted them, and his wife adopted them, and he, Simone even uh, corrected some uh, sports journalists by talking about their adopted grandparents, you know, she said, no, they're my parents, make no mistake about that. And uh, it, it's just amazing. And uh, she is an incredible athlete. Have you seen her do her thing? I mean, she flies like you would not believe. In, and I think just now, I, some of you may even know on, her, on your phone, what she was vaulting today at 10-something. And I'm assuming she probably took the gold there. And uh, just an amazing, amazing uh, <clears throat> athlete and an amazing story. And those are the stories of the, of the thrill of victory. But there's also those stories of the agony of defeat, like gymnast. Samar Ait Said, uh, French gymnast in the preliminaries, was doing his vault, ready to stick his landing. He landed just the right, wrong way, and it snapped his leg. And you can see in the, the uh, lower side uh, uh, right picture there, your leg is not supposed to bend like that. Uh, and just uh, all of his uh, training, all that sacrifice, gone in a moment. And if that's not all, they dropped the stretcher on the way out of the pavilion. Yes. Uh, his life in, life's dream in rubble. But then there's also the stories of the synchronized divers. Remember that? Uh, if you got my uh, email that I send out weekly, uh, David uh, Badia and uh, Steele Johnson. What a name for a guy. My name's Steele. Steele Johnson. <sighs> and, my, I mean... Just, uh, uh, you know, he, and he looks that way. Just, you know, he looks like twisted blue steel, just the muscles on that guy. But after winning the silver medal, um, both said, and even the, 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 the commentator tried to, you know, skirt the subject and, and walked right over it. They came back and said, you know, about how they felt about this silver medal. They said, you know what, this is great. We love the opportunity of representing our country. They're U.S. divers. I, they love the opportunity of, of being here and winning this. But this does not define us. They said that our identity is in Jesus Christ. Wow. Isn't that great? It, it's very much like the <clears throat> Eric Little, uh, a Scottish athlete in the 1924 Olympics. <clears throat> when asked about his winnings, he said something similar, but he said it like this. I believe God made me for a purpose. He's Scottish. <clears throat> but God also made me fast. And when I run... I feel his pleasure. And when I win, I bring him honor. And, and, and see, you see, Eric, David, Steele, and others beheld Jesus embracing him and learning who Jesus is, seeking to understand his glory, were being transformed, changed, shaped to become who God designed it to be. Now, we may all not be Olympians, but... God can take the rubble and the broken pieces of life's earthquakes, be it 
cancer, financial issues, relationship issues, the political craziness of our world, getting old, stress, crime, the economy, whatever it is that's shattered your life or shaken your life when you tried to stick the right landing. God can take us as we behold Him and train us and guide us and coach us. For Jesus is that rock of stability in an unstable world as we behold Him. We have, as we've been going through this series of <clears throat> beholding the intangible God, we've been learning a lot of what we should be beholding. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says it well. And we all, with unveiled face, are beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. You see, it's, it's beholding Jesus, seeing Him for who He is. Not for what we think He is, but for who His revelation, the Bible, has, has shown Him to be. And observing that and, and taking it in, that beholding. And God wants us to, to be shaped by Jesus and, and also to be shaped into an integral part of His stable kingdom. As we behold Jesus, our rock of stability in an unsure world. So this morning, let's just finish our time together and, and behold Jesus, the, the living stone, as we explore 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 to 10. And so, as is our custom, if you wouldn't mind just setting aside your book, stand up for a moment and let's, uh, let's pray. You know, God wants you to gain something out of this today, and I know there's something for you. You didn't just happen to be here. You're here by divine appointment. You may have already experienced that, but God has something for you through His Word. Father, teach us. Holy Spirit, move in our hearts that we may gain you and behold you even more. And Lord, transform us even by what we experience in these next few moments, we pray in your son's name. Amen. Have a seat and please uh, <clears throat> keep your notes out and jot down some notes. Uh, but let's, uh, let's get some context to our passage here. That's the verses around it. And, and that Peter's writing this, the Apostle Peter, uh, writing a, a letter to circulate to Christians in ancient Asia. Uh, Peter, that one that Jesus turned to and said, upon the things that you teach, the, 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 the church is going to really be founded. Uh, founded on what Jesus taught, but, but Peter's going to be instrumental in making that happen. And he was. So he writes this letter and he challenges them and, and us in that first chapter of 1 Peter 1, especially verses 13 to 25. And you can write those down and get that study guide. To live out our faith regardless of the climate regardless of the difficulties. In that ancient time, it wasn't really acceptable to follow Jesus. It wasn't really acceptable to follow God even. And, and life was full of, of earth-shattering moments, not only from natural disasters, but from all kinds of other things, political unrest. Ooh, man, you talk about then. Uh, it's nothing like what we got now, but it, it was awful. And Peter says, regardless of all of that, you... Set your focus, set your sights, set your uh, attention on Jesus. I, I, I love that. Um, I was watching the women's 50-meter race last night. And, you know, all these women, are, they're jumping around. They're ready. They're just, they're just like, oh, there's a heart. they can't wait to explode out of the blocks. And they're introducing each one of the, the ladies that are, that are running. And when they get introduced, you can tell them because they're all, like, smiling, you know. 
and, and that. But there was this one woman who just, when they announced her, she just was like this. I mean, she had her eyes focused on that finish line. And when she had her hands to the, to the, to the line and her feet in the blocks, man, she had that laser lock attention on that finish line. And that's the kind of laser lock attention we need to have on Jesus. No matter what is going to happen around us, the people racing all around us, we need to have our eyes on Jesus. And Peter's telling those people then and us now to keep our eyes on him and to trust in him regardless of the difficulties and to, to stop sinning, to stop putting extra weight on your body run smooth and, and stop sinning and, and dive into God's word, he says in chapter 2, and taste and see that the Lord is good. And now three truths to beholding Jesus, our rock in an unstable world. The first truth is Jesus is a precious rock we can trust in. I, I worked as a, uh, right out of high school and a part of college as a, as a mason's tender, a brick mason. He, he, he uh, we did walls of brick and block and mortar, uh, and you know, obviously mortar, but uh, stone and, and fireplaces and you know, facades of uh, fireplaces and all that kind of stuff. And and a, a mason's tender. Some of you know that as a. It's uh, some people call it a hod carrier. M- most people call it a uh, slave. And oh my, did I work hard! I have never worked. Uh, well, actually, ministry is pretty hard too. But but I, I, physically, it was just really hard. I mean, I had to I had to run everywhere and. And that he would always, he would always say, you know, you know, run Miguel. I, well, he called me Miguel. I, I kept on saying, I, look, I'm from the north border. You would call me more like Michelle or something like that, but not not Miguel. Anyways, but not that I mind the name Miguel, but he, you know, Miguel. And he would throw things at me, bricks and 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 pieces of block, and and he would put a little bit of mud on the end of his trial and flick it at me if I wasn't running fast enough. Now he's a good Christian man. I love him a lot, but he, he taught me how to work. Remember, he, you know, I, and I had to mix mortar, and I had to, you know, I had to mix it so it was just right. I mean, it couldn't be a little watery or a little stiff. And if he didn't like it, he'd sweep it off his board and say, "I need more mud," and pound his trowel on that. And, and I, I, mean, I was, I was running everywhere. I was, you know, I was always running, and I, and I had to have four or five things in my hand. I could never go somewhere without having more stuff in my hand. He goes, "You need to maximize your steps because all I need to do is lay block. You need to do everything else." Matter of fact, there was some, we would pull up to the job site. The car, the truck would still be running, and he'd kind of kick me out and say, come on, go set up the stuff so I Because all he wanted to do was to be able to lay block. The hardest time I had was when I noticed that the surfboard was on the top of the car. And he got out of the truck, he kicked me out of the truck and said, here's the shovel. <laughs> I'll be back in a couple of hours when you've dug the ditch. I went, ah. Oh. But uh, <laughs> that was the life of a tender. Sorry, I went off a little rant. I feel better now. <laughs> But as I watched Sam, his name was Sam, I watched Sam do his work, um, I was amazed because he knew just the right kind of stones and rock and block to build that wall, especially when it came down to the foundation. You know, and he would examine the blocks and the, and the rocks and the, that, and he would come over there and he'd take some and he would treasure those ones, and those were going to be the cornerstones or the, 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 the foundation stones. In other words, he you know, put on, these are going to be filler ones, and other ones he'd throw away, uh, those are just, you know, those are junk, we don't need those, and things like that. But he, um, he always looked for the best stones or bricks or rocks that he could build on. Some stones, you know, like I said, he treasured, and some he threw away, but he wanted the, the, the best material to build that wall or that fireplace or that stone um, facing. And when it comes to our lives, 
the choice of those key foundation stones are so important. For building on a shaky foundation only leads to life, a life of insecurity and, and misery. Michael Phelps, a lot of you have been following him because he's such a prominent figure in the Olympics this year. And he went through a really rough patch. I don't know if you know that. He, after he won all those golds four years ago, it just kind of, his life was so focused on the golds, he based his life on that. And that, and it just, it messed him up. I mean, he had some DUIs and some, some struggling. And someone, I haven't substantiated this, but, but uh, at least you, you hear it. Some people have said this, and it's online. Some of you probably read the story that someone handed him the Purpose Driven Life book. And he's been, uh, he's been reading that. And, but what's, what, I don't know what transformed him, but I did remember last night as, as he was receiving the gold, I was, uh, I was listening to the um, interview as I was getting ready for bed. And one thing he said caught my ear. When a reporter asked him, so Michael, you know, this may be your last Olympics and uh, this may be the last medal you receive. How do you feel? And he said, you know what? Life is more than, a, than the gold. I have so much more to give my life to. And like I said, I don't know if he's got any faith in God or whatever, but he was building his life on a shaky foundation. And now he's trying to find a better one. And I hope it is that he's found it with God because building our life on that foundation is so important for us. So let's behold Jesus, this rock of our stability in an unstable world, this precious rock that we can trust in. Look at verse 4 of 1 Peter chapter 2. As you come to him, that's come to Jesus, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. Let's behold this precious, chosen Jesus, this living stone. Living because he's not dead. Living because Jesus is alive. He was resurrected from the dead. You see, Jesus came to this earth not only to show us how to live for God, but to deal with the condition of mankind. Mankind lives in a separation from God because of our sin. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Not a single one of us is perfect. Not a single one of us uh, doesn't have a, a distance between us and God because of sin. All of us have that condition. But the reality is Jesus came to show us how to live, but also to solve that problem and bring us to God, to bring us into God's family. And he did that by going to the cross, paying the penalty for our sin as he died on the cross. And there he was. And please, I, I've said this over and over again, don't think that Jesus was murdered. He gave up his life for us. He breathed his last. And when he did that, the chains of sin are broken and we have the opportunity now to enter into a relationship with God through faith. But he died and was laid into a tomb Friday, Saturday, and on Sunday morning, something amazing happened. Oh, I wish I could have been there. I just picture this rumble of the earth and this blinding light and this rolling over the stone and here comes Jesus walking out of the tomb, very much alive. Hundreds of people saw him alive. Amen. They tried to say that he didn't die, but Jesus goes, I'm here. <laughs> alive. Let's have some fish or lunch and we'll eat and we'll talk about it. Two people walking on the road to Emmaus. The boys with Jesus around the fire talking uh, and then they saw him ascend back into heaven. Jesus is alive. He's the living stone. Not just some figure that once was in history and now is worm food in the ground. No, Jesus is alive. 
And he's that living stone. As a matter of fact, we can base our faith on him because he's alive. Corinthians tells us that because of the resurrection, we have a faith. If there's no resurrection, there's no faith. And so we have, Jesus did raise from the dead. There's nobody in his tomb. He's very much alive. History has proven that. And so we can trust in him that he is that living stone, that, that, that Christ Messiah that has come back. And Peter, when, when asked, uh, Jesus was asking the, the disciples, who do you say that I am? And some of them say, well, maybe you're John the Baptist come back from the dead, or maybe Isaiah. And Peter just says, no. You are the Christ the son of the living God. He was saying that you are the king. You are the high, supreme, holy ruler over everything. He is the the base our life should be based on that sets life right. Sure, rejected by humanity because people don't want to be ruled by anyone or anything. People want to do whatever they want to do. (laughs) Look at where it's got in our world. I mean, just open the newspaper or look online or go outside your street. There's wars and greed and violence and crime and fractured and broken relationships and even you can look in your own life. Those of you who know the Lord and you've given it, pushed it aside and gone your own way and what a mess. Why not trust in the great coach of Jesus? You know, it's it's like this. If you were to aspire to be a, a, an Olympian, Olympic athlete, and you needed to choose a coach, you certainly would not go to the coach that has the worst record ever, that has never produced a champion whatever. They've never won any medals, never done anything. Matter of fact, nobody's even gotten to the, to the preliminaries with this coach. You wouldn't choose that coach. You'd be a, a fool. Uh, Michael Phelps, uh, when he was decided to come back to the Olympics this year, pulled his coach out of retirement, the one who got him all those goals in the first place, and said, I really want you to coach me. Get me back to where I can be standing on the podium again. And he did. Not only that, that coach was, was, was a, a, a challenge to take on the whole uh, U.S. swim team. And right now, this year, is the most winning Olympics our swim team has ever experienced because they've listened to a winning coach. Maybe the, maybe the issue in your life is the coach you're listening to. You know, the coach of the mirror is not all that great. We think he is or she is. I know what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> How silly it would be. Here's this winning coach, all these medals, and you go, nah, mm, I can do it on my own, thank you. Uh, no. It's, it's trusting in our coach Jesus enough and letting him deal with us. I mean, he's earned that trust. I mean, this is Jesus. <laughs> the one who's healed the, the sick, caused the lame to walk, even the blind to see. He's even raised the dead. He's walked on water. He's raised himself from the dead. We can trust in him. He's the most winning coach out there. For he is chosen and precious, chosen like John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He chose Jesus to be the one sacrifice for us. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have 
everlasting life because he's bridged that gap. Jesus is the chosen one to bring us into God's family. Precious for his humanity and his humility and his sacrifice. Study sometime, right? You can write this down. Philippians chapter 2, verses of two, uh, 4 to 11. Talk about how he squeezed himself in the tiniest of a man and, and humbled himself even to the point of death, death on a cross. Chosen and precious. We're to behold him in that way. Chosen and precious because Jesus is the sinner's savior. He's the deliverer of the downtrodden. He's the helplessest hero and the redeemer of the rejected. Jesus is supreme, the utmost in authority, the ultimate in power, and unparalleled in sovereignty. Somebody say amen or something. Amen. Jesus is the center of creation, the pinnacle of perfection, and the source of our sanctification. And I could go on and on and on and on into eternity and never exhaust how great and amazing and awesome and wonderful and beautiful Jesus is. Why would we not follow him? We need to come to him, the scripture says. Come to him, as he said in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 and 29 and 30. Come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, Jesus says. We need to come out of faith like that centurion in Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 to 13, where, where he saw Jesus, and he realized that Jesus' magnificence and his awesomeness, even though this centurion didn't grow up in anything religious in his whole life, he grew up in the, in the pantheon of, of Roman uh, ideology and, and, and strength and might and all of that, and yet he saw Jesus and realized that he could do something, and he had a servant who was sick, and so he comes to Jesus and says, if you would just say the word, I know that you don't even have to go there, that my servant will be healed. And Jesus looks at that centurion and goes, I have not seen faith like this in all of Jerusalem. Your servant's healed. Boom, that servant was healed. But we need to come to, to Jesus out of faith, but also come out of desperation like the father whose son was struggling with epileptic seizures, really demonic influence in, in Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 to 21. And out of desperation, he come to Jesus and, and to ask him and begs of him to, to heal his son. And Jesus says, well, if you believe... And that desperate father says, help my unbelief. I'm desperate. We need to come to him out of desperation of this difficult things that we deal with. Life. And Jesus, just help me. But also to come to him to set life right. Like the story of Matthew, the, the, the apostle who wrote the book of Matthew, who there is a tax collector, so you're not, tax collector, not understanding his path of life, just struggling. Whereas that Jesus comes and says, follow me. And he picks up and follows Jesus and it sets his life right. Same with the story of Mary Magdalene in Luke chapter 8, verse 2. Mary was just so messed up in her life, and yet she found peace in Christ. And even like little Zacchaeus, uh, that wee little man, wee little man was he, climbed upon a sycamore tree. Because <clears throat> uh, Jesus, he wanted to. Okay, sorry. Um, and, and he... Life so caught up in the worldly thing of trying to get ahead and get right and get enough and trying to have buy the right friends and, and yet knew and found his life straightened out by Jesus. And I could go on and on, story after story, even your own life, even my life. Jesus is our rock of stability in an unstable world. Jesus is a precious rock we can trust. He's the best coach out there. Will you trust in him? Will you take hold and behold him? 
take time and make time to learn of him, submit to his rule, choose to lay the foundation of your life on him. Which brings us to our next truth to behold and to build life on. It's that Jesus is a powerful rock we can build oikos on. Now that's a Greek word, oikos, O-I-K-O-S. I'll explain that in a minute, but let me just read to you this passage. And you'll, it, it's in this passage. Actually, the word is in this passage too. Chapter 2, verse 5. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house. That word house is the word oikos. To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ for the scripture, it stand, for it stands in scripture. Now, Peter uses a lot of Old Testament references. Here's one of them. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, and and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that, re- that the builders rejected became a, the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumbled because they disobeyed the word as they were destined to do so. See, we're part of something amazing. Those of us who come and beheld and behold and blessed and, 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 uh, and believe in Jesus. When we come to faith, we're infused into an incredible family, adopted in, given a, a, a precious identity. Sin is dealt with. We're made new, born again, set on the path of maturity and being who we were created to be, given a significant purpose and a function all wrapped in love, love of God, not only through singing and worship, but also love of obedience following his will and his way but also the love of others, those who don't yet know him, the love of our neighbor, but also those who are part of God's family, our brothers and sisters in the Lord. In all this, a team family community atmosphere called oikos, that biblical family sense of connection, interdependence, all under the roof and rule of God's kingdom. Actually, the word oikos means roof or or under the roof of or house of. But it's it's as that family sense, not a a building of bricks or stone, but of lives of people in unity creating that oikos sense. A spiritual home, family, where Jesus is the cornerstone and we are all supporting his will and his way. This sense of of this uh, building, uh, William uh, Barclay, an old-time commentator and biblical scholar, illustrated this sense of, uh, of, of oikos there's a sense of uh, this um, idea of, of a spiritual house made out of people uh, through a story of a Spartan king uh, boasting to a visiting monarch about the impenetrable walls of Sparta as the visiting king looked around he saw no walls around the city and asked um, where are these impenetrable walls of Sparta and the Spartan king you know, I could see that smirk in his face pointed to his army and said, these are the walls of Sparta. Every man a brick. And if you know of the Spartan army, they, were, they held off thousands, just a few, because of how they were connected together. But each one of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus are a brick in God's kingdom, his family, his oikos, built on the powerful rock of Jesus. We each are than living stones connected to the living stone, Jesus. Jesus is that cornerstone who sets the standards. <clears throat> when I'd watch my boss build a, a block wall, he would spend a lot of time working the corner. He would use that block or that brick or that stone, and he'd spend you know, time with his 
leveled and everything, getting it just straight and plumb lines and all kinds of to get in that corner of done. He once he would get that, he'd go over to the other side of the where the wall was going to be and create another corner stone or corner cap and, and he would do that. And once he had them all set, we would string a line across. And and that line would then set the level. It would set the value. It would set the pattern of the wall. And man, when he started going, he could go so fast, he would just lay a brick, lay a brick, mostly because he had a great tender. <clears throat> but he would lay that block, and it was beautiful. That wall was beautiful because the cornerstones had set the tone. Well, in that same way, Jesus is that cornerstone for us. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He sets the pattern. He sets the value. He sets the criteria. He sets the level. And maybe the reason, maybe the reason we struggle in faith is that we want to live by our own level, our own line. And yet when that happens, you've seen it, those walls that kind of do this and they're supposed to go straight, (laughs) our life tends to go that way. It doesn't mean that we can't be creative or unique or different. We just need to make sure that we are following the standards Jesus set. The standard of, of, of developing a marriage. The standard of, of, of having relationships. The standard of, of, of living in honesty and purity and integrity. Of how we handle finances. To follow His rule, not our own. Yes, we have different abilities and gifts and jobs and when we do that when we live out our uniqueness we bring him honor and when we are victorious in life and 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 going about the 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 things and having victory for god it brings him pleasure see it's, it's living for him and following his plumb line Jesus is our rock of stability in an insecure world. For Jesus is a rock, a powerful rock. We can build that oikos, that family sense on. The question is, will you? And yes, it will take submission and obedience and sacrifice. Yet there will be a rock, solid stability in an insecure world. A life connected. You'll have fellow brothers and sisters helping you and encouraging you. You'll be in community and with Jesus, oikos, built on that powerful living stone of Jesus. The question is, will you? For as we trust in Jesus, the precious rock of, and built upon that sense of oikos, the powerful rock of Jesus, we will see, and this is the last point, Jesus is a promising rock of a new identity for us. Listen to our new identity on this, this biblical, from this biblical family sense. But you, that's those who have come to that place of faith, See, faith is not just simply a prayer we prayed some time ago. Faith is understanding, yes, I'm sinful. Yes, I need a Savior. Yes, it's Jesus. And now I'm going to live along His plumb line. Now I'm going to go live the way He wants me to do. That living doesn't save you, but that course of direction is saying, I have enough faith to trust in that line, to trust in that coach. That's how we're saved. But you... uh, When you come to that point, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, 
But now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Mercy that is new every morning. Just read that this morning. See, this oikos is a new identity, chosen by God and given a purpose to act as priests, attending to worship and giving glory to God. It's seeing the day ahead of you as an opportunity to foster praise and glory. Our identity is not in our condition. Divorced, unemployed, mom, engineer, cancer patient, old, young, gold medal winner, tragic defeat person. It's not in that. Our identity is not our condition. We are living stones with Jesus. Ministers, servants of God's purposes. And proclaiming the virtues, the praises, the excellencies of God. Helping other people see and behold God. Whatever walk of life we're in, retired, business owner, teacher, educator, salesperson, health care worker, parent, student, clerk, daycare worker, whatever. Those are not our identity. We are children of God. God's people helping others behold Him. Will you take on that new identity? It's not automatic. Jesus is the rock of our stability in an unstable, unsecure world where Jesus is that promising rock of a new identity. But it takes us moving towards Jesus. Turn over to just a, we got a second. Turn over to, to verse 1 of chapter 2. So it's here, here's how it is. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk by which you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. See, it takes moving away from the, the, the sinful things of the world. We, have, we live in a crazy world that calls the things that are wrong, right. And the things that are right, wrong. And we need to follow God's standard. And if you want a list of them, Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, 21, list them by a bunch of them. We need to move away from deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander and shift our affections to the Word of God and beholding Jesus. Like when um, we moved from Canada. I'm from Canada, you know, A. And, uh, <clears throat> sorry. Uh, it's, uh, we're, we're nice people. Um, we just don't win very much of them for summer games. But when we came here, I remember my mom telling me, and even though I was young, she said, you know, you need to, to watch the customs of, of those who you're around so you can kind of, you know, blend in. And, you know, when we used to eat, we'd have the fork in this hand and the knife in this hand. You'd, you know, chew your meat, hum, hum, you know, like that. And then, you know, I said, no, no, you need to eat like an American, which is you cut your food, you lay your fork down, pick it up and eat it. What a waste of time. Anyways, but you understand that you need to take on new customs. Same thing when you go to a new school, a new job, whatever it is, you take on those customs. In the same way, when you take on the customs of Jesus, to learn his culture from his word, to learn him and, and let him be our identity. Let our find our identity in him, not whether we win the silver or the gold or whatever. We have an amazing identity as God's people. Take on that identity. Make the needed changes. Behold Jesus, and you will continue to change in a great way. I've seen it time and time again, not only in my own life, but in the lives of many of you who've really beheld Jesus. Because you see, life is full of the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. Life is unsure, unstable, and shaky, and yet we can have hope. Hope in beholding Jesus our rock of stability in an unstable world. So behold, Jesus, the precious rock we can trust in. Behold, Jesus, 
the powerful rock we can build life we can build oikos on behold Jesus a promising rock we can gain a new identity will you pray with me Father God thank you for this, this challenge from your word too much we look at the wrong coaches in life and God help us Help us trust in you, Coach Jesus, to make it in life, to turn the tragedies, the agony of defeats, Lord, into even great moments. Help us even this week. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Why don't you stand with me? We're going to be dismissed in a moment. Thanks for coming today. Thanks for letting us be a part of a little experiment. Sorry we went a little over, but... (laughs) But thanks for being a part of a little experiment with us. Uh, it works. It's just a little, <clears throat> my voice is a little gone, but that's about it. But you know, something challenging in the service today, or, or you just want to chat with somebody, myself and uh, Richard, if you wouldn't be mind to be down here with some other pastors, we'd love to pray with you about anything that's on your heart and mind. But let me just dismiss you in a word of blessing. And may the grace of God the Father and the great peace we have because of Jesus Christ and the fellowship that's found in the Holy Spirit go with you. Under Coach Jesus, we pray. Amen. Have a great day. God bless you.